This is Rated Raw with Alex Evers and Jamie Price. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Rated Raw with Daddy Longlands, new dad, Jamie Price. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm Alex. I took pictures of horses this morning, and I'll probably take pictures of horses in the future. What's going on, Dad of the Year? Uh, not much. I feel um, a little sleep deprived. Not too bad, but it, we have a pretty easy baby, thankfully. But it's been an awesome adventure. Had uh, one of my first photo shoots since baby was born um, this morning, so that went well. You had to charge and, uh, for two. Double charge. <laughs> I have I have increased my prices as previously discussed. Yes, the 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 baby the baby rate has gone into effect. Dude, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. One day, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, man. Well, you've had a baby. I've been to China and back. What else has been good? You've had a shoot. I've had some shoots. Yeah, uh, a lot of lot of diaper changes. That's about all that's new in my life. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of diaper changes. A lot of. I'm getting, I'm getting pretty good at it too. Are you? It's, it's it's all about the quick diaper change because we had a boy, and they anybody that has kids and anybody that has a boy will know that if you don't do it quick, they can and will pee on you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, have you been peed on yet? <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <laughs> Already, like that's like two weeks in. There well apparently it's worse at the beginning and then it gets better as they slowly gain control of their their facilities. <laughs> so so have you gone and like got your jockey goggles and like put them on and you like the sand It, look, it looks like it looks like a hazmat scene. <laughs> like you we're have go, like we're going in. So if you're gonna take pictures of the baby, then are you like like full Aquatech gear on the cameras? Um, only if he's uncovered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it's it's amazing how much power is there for a little for a little guy. <laughs> we can do we can do a whole learn. episode about this. <laughs> These are things I need to know before I decide to jump in the deep end. Yeah, talk talk to me before you decide to do that. I definitely will. I haven't talked to you in two weeks, so I know exactly what's going on over there. No sleep, no nothing. Yeah, it's uh, the the endurance races have prepped me well, but at the same time, I think it's very different because you you don't have that because um, like at a race, I'm constantly moving. Like there's never a time where I'm just sitting yeah. down and doing nothing. Whereas, you know, when you have a baby, and I'm really thankful that I've been able to take a couple weeks off um, of like traveling work. I didn't really have a lot going on this month anyway, but I travel again in week week and a half or so. Um, but it's like you have like moments of insanity where there's just like crying and screaming and burping and feeding and pooping and diaper changes. And then you get like, you know, an hour or two of reprieve and you're just you just kind of like unwind and then it all just like ramps up again. So it's very different from car racing where it's just like constant high for 40 hours and then it and then it drops whereas this is kind of a it's very like it's like a wave pattern of of moments of insanity well that's interesting actually i mean we didn't talk about this beforehand but now we can probably get into it because now we've got a topic um my buddy actually michael McAnally, super fan he <laughs> was asking how like you prepare for 24 hour or how i prepare for like some of these like china shoots where it's like you get crazy time difference and jet lag and all that like if you're going on a 24 hour shoot, are you like trying to bank sleep beforehand? Have you like figured out your body's clock and you're like 
ready to go? Like you'll sleep for a day because you know you're going to be down for two days or like how does that work for you? Uh, for me, I don't really – it's kind of hard to bank sleep like other than getting a really good night's sleep bef- the night before the race. But after like really in the like days leading up to the race, you can only do so much. You really can't bank. It's, it's not like there's a – I have an excess of reserves of sleep. It's – you just kind of tackle it head on, but I definitely feel for the the jet lag side of things. And I know McNally when he comes over and covers Breeders Cup with us. I mean, it's it's pretty intense time difference from Australia to to yeah. Kentucky or to California. I mean, it's going to California is about as bad as it gets time difference wise, other than going to like Hawaii for him. And there's no horse racing in Hawaii that I know of. Is there? Not yet. I don't think so. Not yet. Pig racing. So, um, yeah. So like the the time difference thing for me the the that's the biggest challenge is you got to get on time zone like ASAP. You know how it is. You can't be if you show up to work and you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm Alex Evers and I haven't slept in 6 days." Like they're like, "Get out of here." Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> you got you got to do your job no matter what the conditions are, no matter what your conditions are. I mean, that's something that I've actually thought about because anybody that has kids knows and my a lot of my friends have kids they're always sick like always sick they're never ever ever healthy <laughs> which means that and i don't know what it is it's just like kids have a really weak immune system and then they're thrown in with other kids and they're all putting hands in their each other's mouths and then you come home and you're touching them so Dude, they're little gremlins like, that just harbor diseases no offense yeah, bud <laughs> i had i had a i had a friend that had uh, his whole his whole family had hand foot and mouth disease and yeah, it's it's as nasty as it sounds. Like everybody's like got pus coming from their like orifices yeah. and high fevers and like you know just it's just sounds terrible. And I don't know how I would like get on a plane. I mean, they quarantined themselves for like a week. And if I had Jesus like the Daytona Christ. 24 or Sebring or Lamar or something like that, I really don't know how I would go do my job if I'm if I'm like shitting out of both ends like I just don't I don't know how I don't know I don't know how it would I don't know how it would happen I'm I might it might be one of those topics we get to one day it's like Jamie how did how did you survive this and I will tell you at that point but right now it's something that I'm concerned about for my future for future Jamie is gonna have to deal with this and present Jamie is scared you're going to be walking around with those masks. I'll bring you some back from Asia when I go. You just keep your mask on 24-7, 365. This beer is not good. What are you drinking? I got, dude, I got this Dig My Earth double IPA that somebody left in my house. The can is aggressive. It's awesome looking. And it's, I don't know, I don't like IPAs. But it was left over, so fuck it. I'm, I'm drinking Unknown Brewing. Um, it's a local Charlotte brewery. And it's called Featherlight. And uh, I like Unknown, but I don't know that this is their best effort. It's like really, it's sour, and it's not, it's not, it's like a lager, but it's got bite, but not in a good way. But I will, I will finish this to be to be a man for the Rated Raw podcast. <laughs> this beer is rated raw. I'm be rated drunk if I keep drinking these quadruple <laughs> IPAs. But hey, that was that was the the funniest thing about Hong Kong, and that's like what screwed me up on jet lag. I think this time was. 
I just I dropped my phone off the balcony two stories on the tile like an hour before I left and just exploded the thing. Like <laughs> the back of it just turned to powdered sugar of glass. And I, I looked at the uh, screen and I was like, oh, there's one crack on it. I'm like, it's fine. It's not that bad. I'm walking the dog and like, the back is so hot. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And it was just shredded. So I took it and got the screen fixed for like a hundred the back and the front for like a hundred and seventy something yeah, US dollars. Couldn't have been in a better Boom. country to get it fixed. Apparently, it's three fifty to get the back fixed, the back glass fixed, in the United States. So, but anyway, so I'm like down for three hours. So I go have a three hour lunch, aka a drink for three hours, and that just like I it was brutal. <laughs> I fell asleep at like five o'clock. Woke up at five in the morning the day before the shoot. I was super energized. I felt great the day of the shoot, but like coming home, it just jacked me up this time. I was so so. so what's what's your um. And, th- and I understand that this is probably something that is going to really affect not that many people that maybe listen to this when, I mean, hopefully a lot of these, a lot of our listeners will maybe one day get overseas gigs and, you know, be fortunate enough to, to travel as much as you and I have. So what's your, what's your secret for preparing for a, for a big shoot? And then especially if it's in a completely different time zone, like, like China. Uh, I try to get to China a day early, so I just I have like 24 hours to like get my body on time. Look, I go in Friday. I get in Friday morning for a shoot on Sunday, so that's not too bad. I think it's harder for me going to the East Coast actually, because it's like you're wait like when you're 15 hours away or 14 hours away, or whatever it is, like it's just a completely different world, and so your body doesn't really know what to think, you know. And the East Coast, like, if you're getting up at 1 in the morning, West Coast time, 2 in the morning, like, it's just, it messes me up. Because that's, like, my sleep time. So, like, for derby and stuff, like, I would be going to sleep when I'm getting up. So, that transition is just a disaster for me. So, do you feel like uh, jet lag affects your photography? No, because I know, like, the limits of what I can do. Like, I know I can stay up for two days or 39 hours or something like that and be fine. But I know at some point in time on the back, I'm going to have to sleep for like 12 or 13 hours. Like that's why I call it banking sleep. Cause I know I'm going to have to like, sometimes before a shoot, like a big one, I'll like rest for a week. Like for Breeders cup when it was like 14 or 15 days of go, go, go. Yeah. That's I took fair. like three or four days before I went and just did absolutely nothing. Like laid on the couch, like an absolute slob. <laughs> because I knew it just, it gets aggressive and it turns into like three hour days of sleep. And like, you're lucky yeah. if you're getting three hours. That's of sleep. true. So, I think you so just what, gotta take what, care of your what body. What the hell am in. I supposed to do now? What What do I do, Alex? Like I'm screwed, man. I can't. I can't chill. What do I do? You better call. You better call uh, grandma and grandpa and have them come over and help with the kids. That That's actually they've been great. Our parents have been great, so I, I say, probably will do that. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was a kid. I loved it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, but I, I think the prep for a shoot is a big part of of a shoot. Like. You know, there's there's things that you and I are. It's not ritual ritualistic, but like I know the things that I need to pack, and um, you know maybe that's a that's a topic for another day. Is is Packing maybe we can you. show each other how we pack our camera bags or what you put in your camera bag. Oh, that'd be interesting because I've got a new bag that my wife got me. I got this big ass think tank massive airport manager thing it's sick it's it's unreal so i use that for my clothes so i'll like unpack all my camera gear out of it i'll load it in the backpack and the roller that i take with me and then i'll pack like the ball heads the plates some cables that i don't really need they're like backup stuff and then all my clothes go in there and then when i get to hong kong or get to kentucky wherever i'm gonna go i then take that bag pull the clothes out put them in the hotel and then reload the gear so it's super comfortable when i get there and then that thing's like a top opening 
it's it's nasty, man. It's like I feel like a little kid when you get like the hockey bag and you like load all your your gear in it. You got like your skate pockets and the helmet pocket and all that shit. You're you got better beer face, but I know this is audio too. But you look like shit, dude. Like I am never drinking that hook beer. Whatever you got going there is not going in. Yeah, it's that's it's it's pretty bad. When you're fizz facing, uh, like every sip, you're just like, Ugh. if uh, if anybody that's listening to these is only listening, you're really missing out on the best part of this podcast of watching what we're doing. Dude, I'm exhausted. Because we are we are offering this this podcast available for your viewing pleasure as well. So make it a vodcast. Yeah, I like vodka. We're we're vodcasters. You know, because you didn't talk to me for two weeks and you had a baby, I, I made some bad decisions, like, like a hand tattoo. Yeah, let's see the hand tattoo. Wait, let's see thing, it. Dude. Oh, my God. Look at that guy. That's wife, a real tattoo, ladies and gentlemen. Wife, wife, wife drew that thing on me. Oh. It's, actually, it's actually dope. The bottom of it, the guy, like you can see like the, the lines where he drew it like this with the, with the needle. It's pretty sick. Ugh. No tats for you, yeah. bud? No tats. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was going to get – I think they're a, cool. Like I appreciate it, but I, I don't have any. Get, I was going to get the distance scale on a lens like right here from a, a shot that made me the most money I've ever made. Nice. And I, ha- I should have a pic. I literally have a picture of the lens and what the scale looked like when from that remote camera. And so I was like, fuck, I'm going to get that. But that's like, I don't know. I look kind of stupid. I, if I'm, if anything, I'm, if anything is going to get tattooed on me, I'm going to have somebody tattoo on my back. The, um, the Kanye quote, I can't be managed. <laughs> You're just gonna get a tweet put on your back. Yeah, I'm. I no longer have a manager. I can't be managed. Hey, that would be a sick thing if you got one of your like greatest tweets tweeted on yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna fly. All right, man. So, so hey, let's let's yeah, talk. Jumping, in, so jumping you said, into the real stuff. You said you want to talk about editing and the edit process and like what is too much editing. Yeah. So. We were kind of talking about this before we started recording, and I don't know if I'm any clear on which direction I want to go with this, so feel free to to jump in there with your own thoughts and opinions. Um, but so with the with the world of social media, it's it's a very saturated market of photographers. There's still demand for work. Um, there's still jobs out there, and there's still a lot of clients that need photography. But now more than ever, there's probably more photographers in in the workspace that are either like making small amounts of money or medium amounts of money or no amounts mm-hmm. of money, but call themselves photographers. And there's I grew up I didn't go to photography school. I didn't go to journalism school. I didn't do any of that, but I did intern at a few papers. So I've kind of been taught on the journalistic ethics of photography and that's kind of where I keep my pictures so a lot of people will look at my feed or my Instagram um, or my Facebook or whatever wherever they find my pictures they're like oh man you know you must edit your pictures a lot and I'm like no I try and keep it like as close to what it actually looked like I mean there's within the journalistic ethics there's there's room for for not manipulation, but editing and um, well, like contrast and brightness and cropping and all that. That's that's you, always been a part of it. So, do you think like color temperature then? Because you shoot raw, do you think color temperature is considered manipulation? No, because I bring it back to like I'm not if, I'm not going to make uh, the only. 
So like the only time I would really mess with color temperature and it's not even like I want it to look real is at sunset. So if you have like a sunrise or sunset shot, it gets where really, it's, you, yeah. you, you shoot it. Like if I look at, if I'm looking at a sunrise with my polarized sunglasses on shit looks orange, like it's, it, it looks orange to me. It, you know, you, you see this and you see it, I'm editing to the point where my eye sees it and it would it would be it would pass for journalistically like acceptable to run in a to run in a newspaper or, um you know an editorial magazine where you can't like photoshop rainbows and unicorns and you know change the picture to the point where it's just totally different where you're adding lens flare and taking stuff out and I, and that's kind of where I'm going with this is that I've seen so much work on social media that just doesn't fall into that code. And it's not that I don't respect it, but there was something after, and I was telling I was telling you this a little bit ago, but after Daytona, I saw a really nice picture that a fan put up um, just taken from the fan area. It was a really nice pan of a car going by. And it was a car that like wasn't really, it wasn't like a, a big part of the race. It didn't win. It didn't podium. It was just a car. It was a nice picture. It was just, but it was just a car. And also, and, ran. Yeah, it was an also ran. Um, it might have not even finished the race. I don't even know. But it wasn't on the podium, and it definitely didn't win. And the there was a comment that somebody made, another another fan photographer, like a young kid made, and he was like, man, this shit's better than anything I saw from the credentialed photographers. And I just kind of went like, okay, well, I could explain this to you, but it would take, it would take like a thousand-word essay of why – <laughs> podcast <laughs> we'll talk about it, would, it right it here take a podcast explain yourself to explain why <laughs> that some some amateur photographers can quote do it better than the pros and it really has nothing to do with talent it has everything to do with time i can hit those pictures i can stand there all day with you and wait for the sun to set in that corner but I've already walked 15 miles to get to that point and I'm leaving 10 minutes later because my clients, my multiple clients are, are paying me to cover the race from multiple angles, which includes, you know, all sides of the track from the grandstand, from the infield, both sides of the infield, um, the pit lane, the paddock, whatever else. And so I don't have the luxury of standing there or, and, and my colleagues, it's not, this isn't a, a Jamie Price thing. This is anybody that's being paid to take pictures in a sporting venue we don't have time to sit in one place and perfect the pan shot. Like anybody that stands in one corner for long enough, you're going to be able to nail a picture eventually. If you can't, then you really need to use that time to be practicing, which is exactly what you're doing. That's great. Yeah. But I, you can't like then shit on every other credentialed photographer because you think that you did it better than they did for one picture because I have to nail that picture for all of my clients and then move on to do it again and 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 again at 10, 15, 20 different corners for 24 hours. So it's, it's kind of like there's a, and a lot of these pictures that have a really heavy edit on them. And I delivered, I think, a little over 1,200 pictures to Lamborghini um, over the course of the Daytona 24 weekend. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. So I don't know what that breaks down to math whizzes per day, but um, you know, a fuck ton. Yeah, like two two seventy five maybe. 
not even gonna go there college dropout 300 300 pictures a day or something like that and that's from five different teams that are running lamborghinis and um you see these like really nice pictures that have just a really heavy-handed edit on them and that's great i think it's it's great that people can do this and it's it's beautiful great job but you don't have time to do that if you're actually out there being paid you don't have time to do that for every picture that you send for 24 hours or for four days because it's physically impossible just don't have that amount of time well it's like this is what i experienced in my corporate job because coming from the photojournalism background where i was more on journalistic assignments so your deadline assignments right so it's like you you go shoot an event you shoot a race you shoot a sporting event and you got to deliver these files (laughs) you got to deliver the files i'm working i'm working through this beer continue and so well the corporate mindset at my old place of business northrop grumman was get a job you half-ass that job then you sit on the job and you like edit and you edit and you edit. So you shoot to like edit. So like instead of just like lighting a picture, right, or doing something, a guy would like light it with one light and shoot brackets, like seven different exposures, and then try to brush them together. Not because like that's how you do it. It was just because you wanted to kill time and look fucking busy. Yeah. So like that's there's there's that stuff too, but like you have to look at, there's two different things. Like you have to look at the clients that you need and the clients that you have and like what they need. And so like this is something and that when, I, And when they need it. And that's like when you talk about planning a shoot. Like I'll go into a shoot and there's different shoots. Like when I'm working for the Hong Kong Jockey Club, I'm not on journalistic deadline. So I don't have to worry about like shooting a race and then busting my ass back to the edit room and like getting the card in, getting it pre-captioned and getting it out because that's not what I'm there for. I'm there to shoot art. I'm there to shoot marketing images. I'm there to shoot ad campaign stuff. So it's a much slower pace. Like I have to go find pictures and hit pictures and no cropping. None of that like you shoot loose and you crop bullshit because if you're shooting ads and big stuff, you have to give the biggest files possible. Yeah. That's another thing with editing. It drives me nuts at people who that, I mean, I don't know how you do it, but I try not to ever crop. I want to crop in camera and get like the biggest, sickest, fullest res files I can give clients. I, I, so cropping's always been, it's, it's one of those things that's, it's journalistically, journalistically acceptable to crop a picture. Absolutely. Um, well, that's so an art, I, by the way, is yeah. finding the picture within a picture. Something we teach in our workshops is like, sometimes that's, it's, it's not easy for people to do is like to shoot a mm-hmm. shot and then like look within that photo and really find the crop that makes a photo like from like a B photo to like a B plus or an A minus or like an unreal photo. Like sometimes there's a photo in a photo and you're like, oh fuck, there it is. I know you've seen it. <laughs> I we've all, one off the we've all made them, but the, the, so car racing is really hard because the distances from you to the subject is, say, far, is, right? is massive. Like I have a 500 millimeter F4 vibration reduction Nikon, like, Nikkor lens, a lot, of, a lot and, of stuff there, bud. A lot of stuff. Vibration reduction, Nikkor four hundred, like Daddy Long lens over here. Yeah, you Daddy rapping? Long lens, <laughs> and so it's it's honestly like it's the right lens for me to own, but it's also sometimes not long enough. So you do end up cropping a little bit, and I'm not talking like I'm gonna crop it to a hundred percent or even fifty percent. I might give it like. You know, just I, I might just bring in the edges just a little bit so that you can put the car where you really want it to be. If it's yeah. not perfect, it's it's definitely one of those things that's 
it's acceptable to do it, but I'm not going above and beyond with my crops. And I definitely like it. What I really need is if I was going to do it, like what you're doing, I need an 800 really. Ooh, see, I was going to ask you, cause now this goes into the next question and this is going to get into the golf bag theory for that. I call for photography. So have you used like crop sensors to then cheat the length of a lens to get different pictures if you don't want to crop or like say your your zoom is just way too far and the light's going to fall off and you can't throw a converter on so if you like i don't know what nikon i don't use nikon but i'm sure they've got some sort of crop body that's like nasty or do you just crop an actual full frame sensor because you're getting such a great file i crop the full frame sensor photo and i i've thought about because there are photographers that do motorsport that have a crop sensor and there's there's nothing wrong with a crop sensor they're great they're great cameras but I've chosen to shoot with the D5, and I have two of them. And I've, when I was shooting on different bodies, you know, I know this is like first world problems, but I hated it. I hated having two different bodies. Okay, here we go. Let's pick, talk about you this. You pick it up. You pick it up, and you you feel like, you know, if I, if I'm if something happens really quickly in front of me, and I go to grab it, the D5 is completely ergonomically and button layout different than any other camera that Nikon's ever made. Like the ISO is in a different spot. You have to use two hands to. Oh, uh, man. You're going to hate me. You have you're to use gonna... two hands to change the ISO, whereas you didn't in the past. So it's something you could just crank. Like if you needed to change something really quickly on the fly. Like, you know, it was easy to change, whereas the D5, it's it's a different thing. So my mind has now been trained to shoot on the D5, and I don't want to carry around a third camera body. I would love to, but I don't I, – my, my shoulders are already broken. I don't have the physical ability to carry around a third body to, to shoot on my long lens. Yeah, I know. I know. I should live at a chiropractor's office. See, yeah, I'm not lying. I'm, I'm a neck miserable. and I'm shoulders. My left shoulder is a disaster. Well, then, okay, so pro photographer Jamie, what would you say about – I know a guy. Okay, I got a guy. I got a friend. Italian. I know a guy. This, <laughs> know fucking, a guy. this fucking guy goes on a big shoot. This guy gets a new camera that he's never shot before. He brings said new camera on the shoot as his secondary camera. And let me tell you what. The secondary camera is – it would be like shooting a 1984 AE-1 program and a 1DX modern. That's how different these two cameras are. Oh, that guy was me. I just did that. <laughs> I, sh- I, I literally grabbed that EOS R. I went and shot, and it was so fucked. It was like grabbing two cameras. It would have been like the equivalent of like if you're a hockey player and your second camera is football. <laughs> like it's they're not, they're not, even, they're not even fucking close, bud. Like they have like a they have this touch auto like the the moving the focus point is touch sensitive, right? On the back of the screen, which is dope. It's fast as fuck if you're like a mom shooting your kid learning to crawl who's not moving fast. Every time I pick the fucking camera up, my big ass schnoz and I'm I'm tilting so hard right now, my big ass fucking nose would hit the screen before I got it to my eye. So then I would go to shoot and the fucking focus point, because my nose is over here, right side, like it would be on the fucking edge bottom right or like right of the frame. And then I couldn't make any fucking picture because you can't move it fast enough. The ergonomics have all changed. Like there's no wheel on the back. Like Canon, everything else was pretty close. Like if you picked up a 5D or a 1D, like the wheel, the buttons, like it's all this fuck going from mirror, they're mirrorless from a 1DX, which is like. A 1DX it's, is it's like a, the it's super a bomb model. Camera. It's amazing. 
it's like I don't know. It's just the it's the supermodel of camera. It's the it's the Lamborghini. It's the whatever yeah, you, car. You're holding it's, you're holding a supermodel in one hand and and Miss Bojangles. And then in the you're other. holding an Instagram model in the other with hella Photoshop filters and it coyote ugly in the other hand. <laughs> like and then like so like great you know like by three frames that I hit like my portrait I hit a couple of really beautiful frames they were looked f- oh, fucking amazing they're so nice. Big file. So the sen- the sensor is great. The camera sucks. Yeah, it's it's it was kind of brutal. I don't know if you want to go as far to say that. I haven't shot Nikon's mirrorless, and we're going to do a full mirrorless yeah, a discussion full mirrorless. maybe next time we forcing, do a podcast. I'm forcing myself to like use this thing like every day. I'm like I'm testing it with like horses. I'm testing with things moving. I'm testing it like everything for portraits. Fuck, it's good. Like if you're shooting, but so, so the real oh. the real test is that is is Canon gonna take your feedback seriously? I hope so. I don't know. I gotta call. I gotta call a buddy over there and see if I can get on the X3 production list to test it. You should be. I'm gonna try. You should be. I have a lot to talk about on the, <laughs> on the Canon mirrorless because I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Like I really am. Like I've three times I've shot it and I've like left the shoot and I've been like, oh, fu- I fucking hate this. Like I want to throw it away. And then like I'll pick it up like the next day and I'll shoot something with it. And I'll be like, oh, that's nice. That's real nice. And then I, like, I've I've definitely thought about. <sighs> venturing down the the mirrorless path for my fishing photography and like just being outside um but now like now with a baby i think it would it has a it has its place but i personally don't want to use it for my pro work but again another another time well i mean like okay so here's here's the thing and this is like we're talking about when i ask you about the crop sensor cameras and like cropping photos and this that the other and like approach to your photography I just think these cameras and everything is like a tool in the bag, like your golf bag. Like you don't yep. always hit your driver. You're hitting like your putting, your chipping. I know you're in the sand all the time. I'm sure we're <laughs> fishing. Like you probably have different hooks for different fish. You probably, there's all sorts of like variations. And so like yeah. that's what I experienced this morning is like, okay, so I took the X out and I got the four. And that's like my main move is like the 400 on that. And then I just use this because I didn't have any straps on my other bodies because I'm a degenerate. Like, you'd think I'd be prepared to go shoot something. You're like, oh, shit, I've showed up to Hong Kong with no straps. Well, this was like Santa Anita this morning. Like, it didn't it okay. didn't matter. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to use this, this mirrorless thing. But, like, it allowed me to get, like, to lay down in a spot and, like, shoot silently. And then the horse sees me and he's like, what the fuck is this guy doing over here? And then he's, like, posing. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up there, Aaron? Like, I got some. He's like, hey, girl, hey. Oh, the pictures are incredible. And the files are beautiful and everything like that. So then I'm like, okay, I really like this thing. I'm like, you can sneak with it. Like, it's pretty sick to sneak around and, like, get low. The articulating screen's cool. But, like. Yeah, it's your everyday camera or camera two. Like you said, like you want to switch and pick up real quick or like I'm going to go shoot hockey on Wednesday. Like if you're working with the hole, there's no fucking way you could shoot this as a second camera. Like by the time the viewfinder and like I'm learning to hack it, like when I'm going to grab it, I'm tapping the shutter (laughs) as I'm grabbing it up. I'm like, like I'm waking the fucking thing up. And like I also turn the back screen off. So I shoot it like an AE1, like a film back. Like there's no screen on the back for me. It's just all black because I don't like the fuck. The screen's just a fucking disaster. Like I don't need a chimp. Because that's the other thing I think about. You know you're going to get it because you're a legend. No, but on mirrorless, you see what's through the viewfinder. Right. So EVF. So, like, if you're overexposed and you pick the camera it's up, it's going to show it. You're fucking blind, dude. I did that in Hong Kong. <laughs> Beauty Generation walks by and I'm like, brat. I go for the fucking low ground. I'm getting all low right here in my office. And I pull up to my eye and the fucking focus point is like in, in LA. And, I can't the, and find the whole it. thing is blown. And out. it's white as fuck. And I'm like, I'm trying to. <laughs> 
fucking wrap the wheel and like just say fuck me i hit a really nice one with my 400 though hit the real handheld before so like there's things i didn't like about that but then i'll hit i hit like a portrait like 10 seconds later of the trainer and i'm like that's one of the best pictures i've ever made and it's like it looked like a medium format camera it was with a 24 to 105 that f4 lens and i don't like f4 lenses i'm a fucking snob yeah, I'm not a big. We I think we talked about that. I'm not a. Well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend money on glass, it's gonna be a prime lens. So like, well, maybe maybe we'll end on this because we're getting to the thirty something minute mark here about this camera. It's like so, my idea on it was like I want to get to, and this isn't about a mirrorless debate. This is just like maybe gear theory and like what your goal is with your career, right? So like, I'm looking at it as like they're bringing all these new lenses up. I've talked to my reps there, and like the sharpness of the RF glass on Canon is fucking retarded. Like they can make sharper lenses with this new RF series than they could on the EF series, which they've pushed their sharpness beyond Nikon, in my opinion. I shot both of them pretty extensively on the new series glass. The tech on it, like the <clears throat> the ring, the aperture, like the control ring where you can like change it to ISO or shutter speed. You can you can control things on the lens. It's it's crazy. So I see where the future's going, but like the camera itself right now is a little behind. So it's like do you just yeah, learn the, gla- the, tech- the glass is there, but everything else isn't. And I, and I think where they're going, and I don't know, and I, I'm not paid to know, but I think where they're going is they've developed this glass, and like the 400 and the 600 are now super lightweight, like handholdable, because they're designing them for a pro mirrorless body in the future. Like that makes right. a lot of sense. Those are sports lenses for like Olympics, generally where Canon drops new gear. Well, yeah, the the upcoming Olympics are in Japan, so I'm thinking know, everybody's going to have some everybody's- crazy gear. And so like like that Nikon, RF, Canon, Olympus, Fuji, Sony, everybody's going to be like, dropping crazy stuff. Would you shoot a 28 to 70 F2 and like shoot an F2 a lot? That's that's yeah. nasty, dude. Like yeah. But so like I want it badly. I want to I want to try it out. But like if the body can't drive the lens, like I'm I don't afraid. I I don't know. Like I can't shoot that fucking thing at F2 right now. Like, I couldn't go shoot it journalistically and make the pictures I want to make and kill yeah. backgrounds and. Like, I don't think it would work. I don't know yet. Maybe I'll, I'll get it in my hands, hopefully, in a couple of weeks and, and see. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. So, to bring this back full circle, the the editing thing, because we kind of we deviated into another area, but I'm, I like it. I, I think, and I don't know about, what are your thoughts on this? Because I feel like the, the problem is, is that it's everything's social media driven and, you know, throw a fade filter on it and, and throw some edit some lens flare into a picture and, you know, just change manipulating a picture to the point where it's, it's barely recognizable. And like, you know, some of these photographers do before and after shots of, especially like I've seen it in car culture <clears throat> where they'll take a picture of a car and then drop a background in and like put some flames coming out the back of it. It's like, okay, you can do that. You can do that for a picture, but you know, you're, you're going to have trouble delivering a hundred or 200 pictures, which is what my clients are asking for from an event. You start it's, to get into the wedding photography turnaround time where you're turning around like 90 six hour months edits. later. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that like, way. In, in New it, it's with our, with our worlds, which is deadline sports. And I know you and I both do stuff where we, where we have the ability to, to shoot for marketing, but I'm still not, I'm still delivering pictures within like, a day or three to oh, like best best of is within 24 hours. I got to have you yeah, like, 35 pictures to make you make you wet to get the next set, dude. Like that's right. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm sending, I'm sending pretty much everything back within two to three days. Like I had everything delivered within 24 hours of the Daytona 24. Ooh, so nasty, you know, and that's, and that's for all the clients that I had across 
you know, the race. And that's a lot of editing. That's a lot of sifting through pictures. And, you know, I'm, I'm pumped that these kids, I know, but I'm pumped that, but that, but that's why we're talking about this on this podcast is that I'm pumped that these kids can nail a picture of a car, but you know, don't shit on the professional photographers until you've tried it under pressure, knowing you, your client isn't going to pay you for next weekend or next year or whatever it is. If you want more clients, you're going to have to deliver that picture that you just made of that car, but from multiple angles across an entire day's worth of work. Consistently, 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 week week in, week out, race to race. Yeah, it's it's definitely not what people think it is. So, you know, that's that's maybe the downside of the Instagram culture is that everybody sees a pretty picture and they're like, you know, like like praise emoji and, you know, fire emoji. It's like, yeah, cool picture. But, you know, I don't see you out here doing it for a living. And I'm not I'm not trashing you like I'm not saying that in like an arrogant way. It's like I'm I'm pumped you can make that picture. But at the same time, don't shit on what I'm doing or the pictures that I'm making or the, my, the pictures that my colleagues are making under pressure. You know, like it, it's it's very, very, very different, especially with. Like when I've worked with you at Breeders' Cup, we have pictures online, and it's the same in Formula One. And oh, it's yeah. actually this. I'm starting to do it with some of my some of my racing work. I'm sending live pictures from trackside, where you're you're giving pictures directly to the client 30 seconds after that moment has happened. We'll save this for the mirrorless thing, but in Sony's new firmware update, they have voice captioning. And so, like you can caption by voice, and it puts that into text into the file for remote transmission. Like, fuck, that's gonna game change, dude. Like, it's gonna game see? change for everything other than motorsport because it's not gonna be able to hear anything. So you're gonna hear, you're gonna, be, you're gonna hear the announcer <laughs> and like this deafening noise, and it's gonna you're gonna be like, and like that's all it's gonna. <laughs> the hear. listeners just hate us. I'll put a warning on that. Like a. Turn your volume down before we get to that. Hey, so editing then. So I, I see what you're saying. So then like, and this is where I look at my editing thing. And like, we'll talk about Breeders' Cup with the, the remote file transmission and stuff where I don't get to actually edit my stuff on like for two or three days afterward. It definitely, I feel like takes away from what I do as a photographer. Like I feel like my strength part of it is like the way I shoot, the way I edit, the way I put the whole package together. Uh, I feel like that's what separates you as a photographer. But when you kind of lose that, it's like fuck, man. It kind of sucks. Like when you'll see my work out there. Like I don't like for Breeders Cup. We're shooting marketing and ad stuff, and I'm like, oh, there's a big ad, and that does not even look remotely close to like what I would shoot. Or like it's edited so that, fucking poorly picture? on Deadline. I'm just like, oh god. I'm like, thank god that it uses names because I just don't yeah, want to be associated with this. And it's I like I'll edit it, and I've got this one's so frustrating. It's like I got I got clients that come back to me and they're like, oh, we didn't see that on the drive. And I'm like, oh well, editors probably didn't edit it, so you know, hit, hit the client up. They'll find it. Oh, they don't have it. Well, it's like, fuck, like, are you paying me to shoot and edit? Like, I'm not getting paid, like, three months later to go find fucking files and edit them my way. Like, I understand, like, I don't know. So what I think about editing, I think, like, there's a limit to, like, how much you should journalistically do it. If you're on a journalistic shoot, you have to treat it like it's shooting film. And, like, what you could do in the darkroom is what you do in the digital darkroom, and that's it. So, like, you didn't have fucking clone stamp on film on editorial stuff. So you're not clone stamping shit out. You're not moving things. You're not like, it's just contrast, saturation, little brightness, toning, like the three quick color, old school shit. That's journalism, sharpening, cropping, boom, deliver. Okay. And then 
I think also with editing, though, I think it's like your personal style becomes in the edit. Like, I don't understand how fucking guys sell Lightroom presets and like all this. I mean, I understand how they do it physically. I, I like, I'm not was just dumb, about to bring that up. But I'm like, so you're basically going to sell like, I know you're all these fucking guys that do it are shooting basic shit. They're shooting a 5D Mark IV and like a 51.2 or an 85. And then they sell their like beautify filter and like this and this. And to make your work look like their work, it's like, so you basically, you're copyable. Like you're, the only difference you have is either you have connections to models or locations or stuff that other people don't have. But like I can make my photo look exactly like you shot it. I don't. I just don't think anyone's brand on the internet is so fucking strong with the way they shoot that I look at a photo and be like, "Oh, that's so and so photo." They're knocking it off. They're just using his actions. Like you're fucking high as fuck if you think your <laughs> shit don't stink. Where people look at photos and are like they think that branded off your fucking edits. Like get out. I, of here. I've I've been asked to do Lightroom presets before, and the the thing that I keep coming back to is if you wanna if you wanna make your pictures look like mine, like what why. Like be, be yourself, do, do your own thing. Like making Thank your you. stuff look like mine isn't going to help you get anywhere. You're going to have to, you have to learn to shoot. You have to learn. I don't want to, I don't want my stuff to look like anybody else's and I don't want my like, and that goes both ways. Like I don't want my stuff to look like people that I respect and I don't want my stuff to look like people that I don't know. Well, it's so, interesting because like in social media, like everyone's trying to like be like somebody else. And like, I felt like as a kid, like when you grow up and you like watch sports, like there's like hockey players I wanted to be like or emulate. You wear a certain number and this, that, the other, or like obviously sneaker culture, like kids get sneakers and they wear them because it's like so-and-so's shoe or whatever. Right. But. Oh, shoulders still tight there. <laughs> Sorry. And we're back. And we're back. No, I think you have to be like, I think being unique and being individual and being yourself. And like, that is super important. Like instead of trying to spend, it's really the most important replicating what other people are doing or how other people edit photos or this, you might like the, how the way they tone, or you might like certain things about them, but take what you like from that person and take what you like from me or take what you from Jamie or take what you like from (laughs) any other photographer out there. And then like put your own little twist and spin on it. Like that's, I think that's where it's really at. Is like use people online as inspiration. See the way they edit. Like, oh, I kind of like that. I kind of like this, that, the other. And then like put your own personal twist on it. Like find a recipe online and add some different spices and see what you get. Like it's the same. Kind yeah, of thing. If it's you. It's like that's a great example. That's a great analogy. You can you can take a recipe from a a world class chef. My mom is a great cook. You could make. I could take her exact recipe, and put it in my oven and it will not taste the same. It will not taste the same because it's not my mom. It's not my mom making this dish. I want my mom to make this dish and her her style on it has extra love and, you know, whatever else. I I can't I can't replicate that anywhere and it's the same thing with with photography. I don't want I don't, like you can't replicate what I do because you didn't shoot it. It's not it's not your photo. It's my photo. Man, I got some crazy highlights going on here. Oh, you're looking good. Your light's fucking nice right now. I'm getting I'm getting horned up on this light right now. I don't even need no blue diamonds today. It's looking good. It's now, almost wife, a little sharp. Kelly and I, my wife and I were talking about this while we were getting tattoos and doing our talking about different things and her doing maybe like a food project and kind of me helping out with it. And it's like she's like, Well, when I cook, I just I don't have recipes. I just grab shit that's in the kitchen and I make this because like she's like, I've learned the properties of food. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, very, very listening to this. She's like, I've learned the properties of food. I know what this does. I know how a certain thing cooks. 
So she's like, then I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Like, I'm not going, I need a quarter tablespoon of salt. I need three cranks of pepper. Like, it's very <laughs> cooked by feel. And I'm like, and I think it's a great analogy. It's like, that's exactly how I treat my edits. Like, Cooked by feel. I don't, I don't I have, edit by feel. I don't have presets because... Every Same. photo is a unique individual photo, and I Same. look at every photo like that. I don't pull down a drop down and go like, "Oh, this is what I'm going to use for this photo." This, like everyone is a beautiful flower, and I want it to bloom and make beautiful art out of it. And so that, it, think, it gets treated as such. Is, that is truly like maybe the perfect place to end. I think it's. I think that's exactly the. Like I'm the exact same way because every single picture, I don't have a preset. I don't have a. a dialogue that I use that then like puts a puts an edit on every single picture that I have like I edit every single one uniquely and and I'll yeah. do like a copy and paste from st- from one picture to the yes. next that has um like it was shot in a, in the same place and I know burst. that I didn't change yeah yes. like I bursted it or I, I was agree. sitting at a corner and I didn't I didn't change the exposure or the aperture or the ISO at all yep but as soon as you like you know I mean this isn't stuff in a studio where you can just rinse and repeat like you have a white background or a black background or a gray background and you have this light and it's not moving and this light and it's not moving yep. you know i'm you and i are moving from location to location and every single time we move something changes and you can't just you can't just slap a preset on that because if i sold presets they would look like trash because it's not <laughs> yeah I'm like, like hey you want this dark ass <laughs> preset you want this hello blacks i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna brand everything like i'm from like vacaville from the bay area I'm like Oh, dog, you're going to get the hella black filter. It just makes everything super dark. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, hella contrast. And that's a contrast just boosts all the way up. And then you have to bring it down. Maybe I don't know. The only place that that, presets really work, people selling them is like landscape photographers and like making an HDR type of image where you can can make it look like, I mean, even, I don't know, like make it look like Peter Lick or I don't know somebody like that. I think it's easier, almost easier in a landscape environment than it would be for sports because, you know, the way the light is falling on the car or the horse or the person's face is different every single time. Yep. I agree. And like cars, up like, on that tattoo right no, there. You might get, you might get specular highlights that hit like through trees and it's like maybe one frame out of 15 that has yeah. that like one and pop on it. Do you have frame. that? Yeah. See, I know. It's like that too with the horses. I look at that. I'm like, oh, this horse, the light, there's a catch light in the eye on one frame. Like that makes it a little bit better. It's, one inch, one pixel changes it. That's your frame. All right, man. Well, we're at a sweet time. This is, we, we were garbage at the beginning. Like if I had to give this, if it was like a hockey game, first period, very average. Second period, still very average. Average is that beer. Third period though, we came, we came. We came with the fire. I think we brought it at the end of the game, and we scored a last-minute goal, and boom, we fucking won. So um, are we ready to drop some podcasts now? I think we are. I've actually – you know how I know we're ready because like people have asked me questions on Instagram because Same. I've been advertising stuff, and I, I'm Same. now sending them the podcast as my answer. I'm like, I don't have time to write you about school, but I've got 45 minutes of audio that I talk about it, so here you go. And it actually worked. So I've sent there a bunch of people stuff off the podcast already so i think we got to drop this shit let's drop it do the drop all right G- follow him at jamie price photo on instagram twitter facebook uh myspace adult friend finder 
You follow me at a underscore Evers. And look, if you don't agree with this nonsense about presets, like if you're a preset hustler, I want to hear about it. Talk trash in the comments. You can call me an idiot. You can yeah, say you're, presets. You're, you're not. We're we're not afraid to 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 take some heat because we're gonna throw it right back at you. Because if you hadn't noticed, this is rated raw. This shit is raw as fuck. <laughs> All right, we done, Jamie. I'm gonna change the diaper, buddy. Done. Wipe that diaper down. Peace. Wipe. Wipe some wipe some butt paste on this kid's butt. Oh, sprinkle that baby powder. No baby powder. That shit's got asbestos in it. Don't use it. We don't. Don't worry. We're we're 21st century parents. There you go. I, my 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 asshole's fucked, dude. I got so much baby powder on there. It's done, dude. All right, we're done. I gotta cut that out. That's gonna get cut. Right now.